Hi, this is Lori Richards. Welcome to the Construction Leader Podcast. Today we talk to Eric Herdman, and he's going to tell us about something that a lot of leaders go through, and that is decision fatigue. Enjoy the episode. Hi, this is Lori Richards, and welcome to the Construction Leader Podcast. If you are a leader in construction, you're in the right place. If you want to be a leader in construction, whether in the office or in the field, you're in the right place. This podcast is dedicated to helping people become stronger leaders and more successful in the construction industry, specifically in the construction industry. I'm Lori Richards, and some of you may be familiar with me for coming into your organizations and helping you solve communication problems. Maybe being a part of your association meetings or maybe helping you win that new piece of business. So welcome to the Construction Leader Podcast. Hey, construction leaders, this is Lori Richards, and today we're talking to Eric Herdman. And when I think about Eric, I think Eric gets things done. Eric gets results. There's no question about it. He's got experience in retail, in business, as a business owner, and also in physical training. Eric is a record-setting elite ultra runner, so he's got some great experience not only with working with people to build their teams, but also working with them to get them into physical shape. He orchestrates winning teams. Eric, one of the things that you have that's different than a lot of people who talk about leadership is a unique combination of experience in both leading as a retail person, leading in um, construction and also leading in more of a physical training kind of experience. Talk to us about how those three industries come together to help you help the construction industry as a whole. Well, I never thought in the beginning when I stepped back and looked at those three pillars or silos of experience and leadership that I would be able to put them together because they seem so uh, unique and separate. But when it comes to leadership, it's really about optimizing the leader. What does the leader need to do? And in the construction industry, this is very important. What does the leader need to do out in the field with all that's going on to be the best leader possible? So I pull from all three of those areas to serve up uh, what what the leader is looking for. So by way of introduction, just to give people an idea of who you are and sort of your philosophy, if you will, tell us what your philosophy in leadership really is. It is, what do I have to do, number one, every day to show up my best? How do I bring my best self into the workplace, into the, out into the field, um, into, the, into the office? Wherever I am that day, what do I have to do? to be my best self because I can't help anybody else be their best self until I make sure I've checked that box for myself. So above all, it's leadership, uh, self-care, if you will. What do I have to do every day to show up my best? If I show up my best, I've got a really good shot at bringing out the best in others. You're not suggesting that a leader can do it by himself, but that a leader has to be his or her best self in order to get the best from others? That's right. You have to make sure that, like I said, that box is checked, that I'm in a good place to start my day. I'm in a good place to be my best self. Because leaders now, especially in the construction industry, out in the field trying to set the example, there's, there's physical things, there's, there's decisions to be made. They have to make sure their 
at their best before they can even begin to help anybody with their physical work, their their decisions, or become a team member uh, because they're going to lean on you. Your people should be leaning on you, and for you to be able to lean in, if you will, and and give a a helping hand or serve or bring the best out of them, you got to make sure you got that going on for yourself. Great. And tell us about, think back in your career, about your favorite boss, your favorite manager, your favorite supervisor, your favorite coach, maybe. Who was your favorite as a leader for you, somebody that you've worked with directly? And why is that person your favorite leader in your world? They, they brought to the table a lot of the things that I just mentioned. And it was, uh, we have to get in the way back machine to go, to go back to this. It's actually my <laughs> first job in high school. It was at a running store and his name was Kevin Ray. And Kevin brought to the table a, a lot of things that we are still, we're still talking about today. They stood the test of time. And for example, that best self thing, Kevin, as I got to know him, could be having behind the scenes one of the worst days possible, but you never saw that. He led by example mm-hmm. and, and, and all of us, we wanted to follow him. And so just to give you an example so, and kind of the answer to your question is what was it? He was, he was willing to do the work even before he would ask us and, and he had done the work even before he would ask us to do it. So he was willing to get his hands dirty and get some dirt and grit under his fingernails as well. So he would never ask us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do or knew how to do himself. Mm-hmm. He was also the type of leader that would push you. And at the time, as a high school kid, you know, you can imagine like, oh, I don't, don't want to be pushed. But even as a high school kid, I realized that that push was growing and developing me. And so I, I think those, those two things right there, just that, that he showed up and made sure that he was doing his best every day. And then again, that he was not, he was pushing us, but he was willing to, to do the hard work as well. You know, you mentioned showing up. Um, there's so many, especially young leaders, we see this, but anyone moving into a leadership position, there's a real fine line and kind of a, a delicate balance, isn't there, between rolling up your sleeves and doing it and being willing to show up as the leader. How do we define where that balance is? Oh, I think we, let's take a construction example. I mean, a lot of the leaders in the construction industry have come from doing doing the job right. that, that their, their people are now doing. So I think you, first of all, have to resist rolling up the sleeves and doing the job every day. Uh, I think a lot of leaders fall into that, that participant style mm-hmm. and, don't, and don't separate themselves, not in a bad way, but in a flex the leadership muscle way and ask, ask themselves as a leader, what's the best use of my time right now? Well, my guys and my team are doing, doing their thing and they, they need to be doing pretty good. So let me roll my sleeves up on my work and, and, and get into that. But then there's the time when they have to show up and be the, the trainer or the coach. And that requires them to roll the sleeves up and actually ask the question, okay, we got to have all hands on deck. Where do you guys need me? Where's the best use of me right now? Boy, when you ask that of a team, a group of people, they, not, they, they see you roll your sleeves up and say, I, I, I'm working with you right now. That speaks a really 
loud message. And, and then you ask that empowering question, but where would be the best use of me? Meaning you're willing to go where they need you, where they, where they get, you know, the kind of position you, that's very powerful. And then I think the third way is when you, when you do have to roll your sleeves up, but it's about delegating and assigning and handing off. And I, and I think that leaders have to be willing to do, to do that as well. Mm-hmm. It seems like you pinpointed just such a critical thing, which is the question that every leader needs to ask, which is, what's the best use of my time? And sometimes the answer is filling buckets to put out the fire. And other times the answer is helping others fill the buckets to put out the fire. And sometimes it's telling someone else to have someone else fill out the buckets to put out the fire. That's it. That's that's it right there. That, those are the three ways that a leader will will interact or be involved <clears throat> with the team as well as their own personal responsibilities that they have to handle. One of the reasons that I asked you to come on here was to talk about a concept that we don't hear a lot of, but I, I've heard it in your seminars. I've read it in your blog. It's one of your sort of pet projects, and, and it's such an important concept for people to understand. And if they can master this, it will make a huge difference in their role as leaders, whether it's showing up, whether it's using the best use of their time or any of their other leadership skills. And the concept is decision fatigue. Start us out, Eric, by telling telling us where you learned about decision fatigue. I started learning about decision fatigue with, with the some of the physical training work that I've done in my past. I realized that People had a lot of self-control and willpower at the beginning of the day, but it, mm-hmm. it, it, it eroded and, and wore down as the day went on. And I got very curious about this. And what I found was <clears throat> nothing linked to specific things that happened with self-control and willpower. But what did link up was this thing about the amount of decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. And so to, to, to put the whole puzzle together, the line of decision fatigue, if you think about when we can make the best decisions and when they get kind of, um, kind of bad or not so good, start off very high at the beginning of the day with the uh, decision-making bank account, very full, if you will, meaning we have the ability to make high-quality decisions first thing of the day. And, and this has nothing to do with your chronotype, meaning what, if you're a morning person or an afternoon person or a, a night owl, that sort of thing, it kind of overrides that morning time when you wake up fresh you got the best and highest decision making ability but as the day goes on and you make decisions and this was the other fascinating part that just all decisions count so meaning you know alarm goes off in the morning and your first decision might be to snooze or not to snooze okay Uh, if you don't snooze it might be do i want oatmeal or eggs i mean all this blue shirt, black shirt, um, you know, black boots, you know, green boots. I mean, it, all decisions count to the tune of twenty-five to sixty-five thousand decisions a day. What, twenty-five to sixty-five thousand decisions a day. That's right, and they start with that first decision in the morning, and then, like I said, it could be very significant, or it could be not so not so significant, like snooze or no snooze. Now here's where the, the this what I what, what pulled me into this came into play the self control and willpower it starts up very high or off very high at the beginning of the day as well but it too erodes just like the ability to make decisions you know this this is no mystery you know this 
Have you ever been in the kitchen at the end of the day with your spouse, partner, significant other, whatever? And the conversation goes a little bit like this. What do you want from dinner? And they say, I don't care. Whatever you want's fine. And you go, I, I don't really care. You pick. And the other person says, oh, really? It, 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 it's really all, whatever you want. It's fine. Whatever you want, it'll be fine. And the so next some, thing you know, you're into a bag of chips and dip. So some of that, that discussion, because every person out there listening can relate to that. Everyone's been in a situation mm-hmm. where they're either the person who doesn't care, you decide, or they're the person who's asking the question. Everybody's been in that situation. If I understand you correctly, what you're saying is that part of that is not, I'm trying to be hard to get along with, I'm trying to be a pain, but part of that is just, I'm so tired of making decisions, you decide. That's exactly it. Yes. Yes. Both people at this point in the day have, if you will, have exhausted their ability to make good decisions. And they've also lost a lot of self-control and willpower to kind of come in and say, you know what, we should probably have something healthy, um, you know, or, or, or just come with a solid decision. There's just, it's just loosey goosey at this part of the day. So this is also, you know, to stick with your physical training analogy here, example here, this is also why deciding to go to the gym after your workday could lead you to a bad decision. Uh, you might not even get to the gym. You, the decision might be, <laughs> uh, oh, the heck with it, I'm going home. I'll give you another example. Here, here's another example that, you, that, that, again, led me into this was, People were telling me when I would talk to them about their diet and their food and, and, and whatever, it, whatever their plan was, it seemed like they made very good decisions and were able to have, they had that stick to itness early in the day, meaning they were egg whites and, and a little bit of oatmeal in the morning and at lunchtime they were having steamed, you know, uh, broccoli and brown rice and chicken. And then at the end of the day, it was, uh, you know, they found themselves into a bag of Oreo cookies. Okay. So take us now into something besides the physical training. Does this affect okay. people, for instance, in construction? Exactly. And how? Okay. One of the things, get two or three solid decisions made uh, about you, project work, the team, first thing in the morning, uh, as early as you can. Because again, the erosion starts with those first few decisions of the day. Hey, let's prioritize a couple key decisions early in the day. So leaders in construction industry, you might not even go to the job site. You might, right when you get into your office, maybe the, the, uh, the cab of the truck or the, the pickup truck, maybe you take a few moments and think about a couple monumental decisions you need to make and make them. As you say that, I'm thinking about all the construction companies and management firms and uh, different subcontractors' offices that I've been in, and it's a really popular thing for leadership to show up early, to show up before anybody else shows up in the office. You know, if I'm knocking on the door at six in the morning to get in there to do a training program, it's very common for the, the leaders in the office to already be there, but they're not necessarily talking to each other. Do you think this is why? I think it is. I think that, that that is a common denominator behavior in the construction industry with top leaders. They will show up. Number one, they're ready to go. But number two, in that time before the rubber meets the road and the rest of the team arrives, 
they are prepping, they are planning, they are laying out the work, and that is the best time to do it as far as making sure that, again, sticking with that best self and that, that putting themselves in the best spot. They're making decisions, man. That's, that's the safest and best time to do it. Okay, take us back then to why this is. Is it just, am I just hired at three o'clock in the afternoon or am I, am I frustrated? What is it? Is it literally fatigue? It is fatigue, but it is, it is completely isolated in the area of decision-making. Meaning a person could be, like I was saying earlier, chronologically, they could, they could be an afternoon person and, and lighten the world on fire with all kinds of mental and physical energy. But the decision fatigue takes place behind the scenes. And so even with all that physical and mental energy, they still are, have lost the capacity to make very high-level decisions. Uh, Jeff Bezos, the Amazon guy, came out with a quote not too long ago about this. I have to paraphrase it, but basically he said, I'm capable of making many good decisions today, but I don't. I limit it to two or three big ones in the morning, and I do things the rest of the day that are lower-level decisions that don't have a lot of ripple effect and fallout if, if they aren't quite on point. And so it really is all-around decisions and fatigue from making decisions. To take this out of out of specifically uh, a construction universe right now, is there research to indicate that this is true if I go to the dentist? Is this true when I go to the doctor? Are, are we seeing this in other parts of our lives? Yes, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something that comes from a study that 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 sparked my curiosity in this, and then I can tell you some anecdotal things about this. There was a study done, and I'll I'll, I'll quickly snapshot it. Um, a parole board was measured um, the, the, the likelihood of the, the frequency of paroles and, and getting out of, of prison versus, you know, having to, to stay and, and do more time. And they simply found that a, if your case was heard, your parole case was heard before noon, you had a 71% more, more likely chance of getting paroled than it was heard in the afternoon, simply because of decision fatigue. Wow. And then I, yes, yes. Uh, and, and then they came in and they actually started to do some things to offset that with this parole board, like frequent breaks, making sure they were fed at more frequent uh, intervals. And this tend, this is what, this is what bolsters it. Now it doesn't raise it back up and, and preserve it at the high level that we started the day with, but it does bolster it back up considerably. Now, I can tell you from having a brother that's a trauma surgeon um, and having a mother that worked at a large medical clinic for 27 years as a, as a nurse, uh, both, of, both of those two, my brother and my mother, will, will tell you don't ever have a major procedure done after 3 o'clock on any day and after noon on Friday. Okay, everybody's writing that down on their list of advice to share with others and their to-do list. <laughs> but that's a, a great bridge to talk about. How do we navigate it then, Eric? Because let's face it, there, most construction professionals out there and leaders cannot limit their decisions to two a day. They've got a lot of decisions to make, uh, and, but they have to navigate through this process of now recognizing that I make my best decisions before noon. So what kinds of specific things can they do to make sure that things get done and we're making good decisions, but also to navigate when we do have to make decisions at a less than optimal time? Number one would be try to put a few of the obvious decisions that you're aware of 
at the top part of the day. As you approach the middle part of the day, realize that some of that some of that good leadership self-care stuff that we talked about, like making sure you're getting some food in, some breaks, getting a coffee if you like your coffee or water if you're if, if you're you know if you're an avid you know, drinker of water, whatever it is, whatever makes you feel good, that will help preserve some of the decision-making ability through the period of the day, mid part of the day, around noon to three o'clock, where it, it starts to fall off. This is also where I would recommend the use of checklists. Checklists help right. us preserve our decision-making ability. So, for example, make a couple of three monumental decisions in the morning. Second step would be making sure you're taking care of yourself all day. Don't try to go without food. If you, if you take your lunch break, take it, shovel some food in, get some coffee and fluid, whatever it is. But then rely on your checklist, your, your rote routine behaviors in the afternoon period. So for the team, it might be, hey, when we get to the afternoon, here's a couple of checklists that we're going to work off of. The other thing that I found okay. as well, with safety, the people that are the best at managing safety issues will have checklists for, for all of the safety issue, all of the paramount safety issues. Sure. And they will simply, simply go to the checklist. When something happens, let's say something happens at four or five o'clock on a job site, they will simply go to the checklist and start checking boxes, making sure that people and environments and tools are safely handled. The documentation is taking place. They'll rely on the checklist, not their brains for the decision making. It seems like safety too, you know, because you brought it up. It seems like another thing would be that uh, it reinforces the importance of being aware and sort of being on high alert when it comes to safety in the afternoon, even more so than any other time during the day. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. You, that's, you'll, you'll see, you know, bad decisions being made and that's, you know, of course, lends itself to some accidents and mistakes and mishaps and, and, and that sort of thing. But you'll see leaders. You'll see the leaders that understand this. And, and maybe they don't know they're suffering decision for the good. Just know maybe they're tired or there's just a lot going on. They'll go to the checklist. They'll lean on the checklist. And you'll, you, again, not only see that the, the situation gets handled so that there isn't a, a, a bad thing happening, but also all the other things like the cleanup and the documentation, all of that's taking place as well to to handle the situation, mm-hmm. you know, fulfill the, fulfill their obligations, if you will. Am I taking pictures? Did I get my measurements? Did I document this? Uh, they're using the checklist to make sure that's happening instead of relying on that old brain power that might not quite be there. So it sounds like when we think about the biggest, most important things we do all day, they need to happen in the morning, whether that is, for instance, a safety huddle on, on the job site or whether that is making decisions in an office, or even it seems to me like some of the meetings that we have to go to, the high-level meetings, that doing those in the morning might be a better place on our calendar for that than relegating them to a Friday afternoon. For the, yes, for the construction leader, they need to make sure that they have that morning huddle up because that's when everybody, if you will, is coming with the best and brightest mind. And so that is a good time to collaborate, communicate, coordinate, um, share, uh, brief everybody. And, 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 and then, of course, if there are some higher level meetings that center around the monumental decisions, trying to move those early in the day. But as far as leadership with involve, involvement with the team, uh, I, I, can't, I can't stress enough the, the importance of a morning huddle up. 
because like I said, everybody's showing up with that brain turned on, especially for decision making. I think that's so important because it's not uncommon for us to see the latter. It's not uncommon for us to see, well, we'll hold that meeting at five o'clock after everybody's day is done. When it sounds like, and as importantly, especially for the really big decisions, that those need to come early in the day and let people think about them if they need to think about a decision and then take it up again early the next day or whenever you're going to. But uh, that decision-making fatigue seems really important. Selfishly, for my own purposes and, and when I'm working with clients, uh, in the construction industry, I'm looking at this as if I have an opportunity to do a new business pitch, that whenever possible, I want to be early in the day as opposed to late in the day. Whether I'm first in the pitch team, you know, if with, if they're going to see three different co- uh, construction firms come in and bid on a piece of business, I may want to be first, but I'd rather be in the morning than the afternoon, if at all possible. Obviously, we can't always make those decisions, just like we can't always decide when something's going to go wrong on the job site. So we need to do that. But it also tells me that these guys on the field and in the office are reaching out to customers. They're reaching out to clients. Is it fair to say that some of those phone calls should be better planned by putting them in the morning than in the afternoon? Yes. Hey, you can send out some information about the change order. Maybe there's a little bit of back and forth that needs to take place about a change order. Um, do your yeah, buts, and what ifs uh, with, with them, but then when you circle back around and actually talk to the client about the change order and the final decision, schedule mm-hmm. that for the morning. Schedule that for the morning because you're sure. going to be thinking at your best and, and you supply them with information, even if that has to take place late in the afternoon the day before, but just let them know, hey, let, let's circle back around and I'll reach out to you tomorrow morning and we'll put the final you know, decision together on this change order. And it seems like one of the ways to navigate that then for those times when you can't have the meeting in the morning is the importance of planning, of having an agenda, of having a a list of uh, accomplishments or objectives, not just a list of topics, of making sure that we've got those checklists in place. Does that sound right? Yes, you've got to. You've really got to lean on, especially late in the day, you've got to lean on those checklists. It's like you talk about when you when you talk about meetings, you know, you know, rule number one or number two, whatever, wherever it is on the list is, is always have an agenda. You can have a very productive meeting in the afternoon. I wouldn't rely on it to be a huge brainstorming session or, um, it, you know, coming up with the best and brightest ideas. But you can get through a lot of material in the afternoon as long as you have that agenda, because that's your checklist for the meeting, right? From from three until three fifteen, we're going to talk old business. From three, you know, three fifteen to three thirty, we're going to talk about this and that kind of thing. You can do it, but you, the agenda is your checklist. And make sure you've got some caffeine and some nourishment, so they think about it, even though that meeting's getting long and the day's getting late. Yeah, one of the things that they did <laughs> with the with the parole board was they they looked at them and like you guys are eating breakfast, you know, six six thirty, and then you're going all the way to one o'clock, and you're shoving some food down very quickly so you can get back to hearing cases. They put more structured breaks in. They put more frequent feedings in. Simply because the brain's primary energy source is glucose, so sugar, carbohydrates. And as, as much as we could, have a, we could have a war on our hands discussing pros and cons of carbohydrates in today's uh, <laughs> discussion, it, we do know that the brain works very well on glucose. And so, yes, so, you know, that would be the afternoon session, a meeting, the, uh, the, the afternoon get-together would be the time to have a little, uh, some, some nourishment there. And, and the caffeine does help as well. So the caffeine, 
maybe some sugar or some other sort of nourishment, making sure you have a plan. Are there any other tools that you want these guys to have in their tool belts to make sure that one, they're preventing decision fatigue overall, but at least we can navigate it when it shows its face? Yes, it sounds very simple, but what do you think you could do to preserve your decision fatigue? What's something simple you could do at the beginning of the day? Like one of the first couple of responses will be, well, what if I were to just decide what I was going to take in my lunch and pack it the night before so I didn't have to think about that in the morning? Perfect. Bingo. That is one. It sounds uh, so I simple. To, I know, but and again, let's let's look at a couple, let's look at a couple tried and true examples here. Steve Jobs, the Apple guy, wore the same thing every day. Yeah. The 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 mock black mock turtleneck, the faded five oh five jeans, and the gray New Balance nine ninety shoes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'll give you another example. And it, it has you can just set aside politics for a second. Barack Obama was interviewed by Vanity Fair magazine and asked, Why do you wear charcoal and maybe blue suits every day? And why do the, the ties and the shirts seem so simple? He said, I think I have more important decisions to to make than worrying about what I'm going to wear. I simply grab it. It all works. And I don't have to spend time making decisions on that kind of stuff when I should be making decisions for the American people, the safety of the American public, the economy, and so on. The fact that people go to, they take the same route to wherever it is they're going, and they stop in the co- same coffee shop, having the same flavored coffee, fixed the same way. Most people eat the same thing for breakfast. That that all applies here, doesn't it? Yes. Anytime you can minimize the amount of decisions you have to make in and around uh, a Starbucks um, frappuccino, I mean, it's better just to go in and say, here, I want this and, and done, the better off you're going to be. And so, you know, back to, you know, having the, 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 the safety gear already put in the in the front seat of the truck, uh, knowing you're going to wear this and this is the shirt. That's why a lot of times in construction, they'll say, so a uniform is good. I say a uniform is best. You have no choice but to put on your Carhartt jeans, the yellow company t-shirt, the safety vest, the hard hat. There you go. It's the same thing every day. It's, it's wonderful. Makes good sense. Now, part of leadership, obviously, is being a strong leader in the decisions you make, the vision that you have, and the communication that you have. Part of it is teaching other people to be good leaders. Are there things that the listeners should be thinking about teaching the people who look up to them about decision fatigue? I I think that as a leader, we need to be sharing all that we have as far as knowledge. So if a leader were to get this in their head and go, you know what, there's something here. You, you know, you're right. I make better decisions in the morning, also good in the afternoon. Share that with the team. Let's talk about the importance of why we have to have a huddle up and why the seven to 10 minutes we're going to have is, is super important because we're all good here. Um, teaching the team to work with checklists and, and, and tried and true ways mm-hmm. of doing things, wrote routine behaviors in the afternoon to avoid safety issues. Not, not only safety, of course, it's paramount, but just accuracy and decision-making in general about, about things on a job site, measuring, um, managing you know, decisions on where we're going to put things and mark things off. All that needs to be communicated to the workforce. So the team is all in the nose well about the decision. Okay, as we wrap things up here just a little bit, Eric, when you think about your career and how you've grown and how you've come to where you are in your career, what's, what's a skill that you wish you would have learned and embraced earlier on? 
not not it, it's not something I, I i wanted to do it was something i would have not done and that is well i mean you know, that we all have this is something i wish i would have learned as a leader early on to not be so controlling how so tell us more well when you find yourself being too controlling when you're so i, I am i am a control freak and i'm i I, <laughs> I i i say that but at the same time i'm getting better working on it really admitting it, it is the first step isn't that what that's you're right that's right. I'm standing up in front of a group going, hi, my name is Eric Herdman. I am a control freak, but I'm getting better. So with leadership, you, 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 when you start talking about this with leaders, they immediately get it because they're like, okay, as a control freak, you probably were really caught up in a lot of micro, micro, micromanaging. And yes, there, there was that. But there was this also the, the amount of, of, of granular details and getting caught up in the minutiae that I didn't really need to be. So it gets in the way of what I said earlier that leaders need to do is figure out how you can be your best self. I was spending a lot of time on things, trying to control things that really I could empower my teams to do. But I was just simply too controlling. So I would, I, I would, if I could get in the way back machine and go back and do some things over, I would be less controlling. Now, I would, I want to make sure that I'm addressing all the control freaks that are freaking out right now going, oh, no way, man, no way. Here's what you do. You know what? You still have control. Even though you're going to empower a team and delegate, you still have the ability to, to work with them and assess their skills and find out maybe the needs and wants in their training and development. You still have a hand in training and developing. That's your job. So these are ways to communicate, not, not give them your way but discover that they have a good way on their own and they have the steps, they have the training and you've supplied it. And now when you hand things off, you're, you're doing it in a way where you're not controlling and it's very empowering to them. They get a chance to have some freedom of action and, and, and work within a scope of practice and, and that sort of thing and bring out their best skills. When you're too controlling, you stifle and you're not going to get the best work from your people. And that sort of brings us full circle. It seems like the theme of the day is what's the best use of your time as a leader? How can you best do that? And considering that decision fatigue is a very real thing, part of that is planning ahead so that you can navigate it, whether it's with a list of checklists or uh, effective agendas for meetings, for instance, uh, planning your phone calls ahead of time, those kinds of things. But also recognizing that making tough and big decisions early in the day is a strategy that works best for a lot of leaders. It, it, it is something I think you, you're going to read and see more and more of if you were to look at this. A lot of leaders are discovering that the two or three really big monumental decisions will go first, and then they'll almost prioritize decisions down from there. I yeah. appreciate your input today. A lot of good information here, and I think a lot of the listeners will find this useful, not only just as philosophical good information, but with some really actionable steps there. So where can people find you if they're out there looking for you, Eric? I'm on uh, two social media platforms, and you're, you're welcome to, to check me out there. I'm on LinkedIn. It's simply my name, Eric Herdman, and I'm very active on Instagram with a lot of content. And that's simply Eric underscore Herdman. And then you can check out all the bio information uh, about me on GloriaRichards.com. And again, Eric Herdman is M-A-N as opposed to M-E-N so that they can find you, right? 
Herdman, H-E-R-D-M-A-N. All right, great. Thank you so much for helping us out with this. And I just know people are going to find some great information here from you. Thank you for sharing and we'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Thank you. Again, folks, that was Eric Herdman. And Eric is a leadership trainer working with construction companies around the nation, their subcontractors, their teams, really orchestrating strong teams across the board. You can find him again on laurierichards.com. You can also find him on his social media on LinkedIn at Eric Herdman and on Instagram at Eric underscore Herdman. If you're looking for ways to develop your team into leaders or make it a stronger team, Eric really gets results. Again, I'm Lori Richards with the Construction Leader Podcast. Thanks for being here, and we'll talk to you next week. In upcoming episodes, you'll get specific techniques that you can use to solve communication problems, leadership problems. You'll hear interviews from CEOs of construction companies, project managers, business development leaders, even customers and some association leaders, so that you can get the leadership skills that you need in order to grow in your career. And if you found this useful, be sure to go on to your podcast providers and rate us And be sure to reach out to us with any ideas that you have on interesting interviews or maybe some specific questions that you'd like to see addressed here on the podcast. You can find us at constructionleaderpodcast.com. Again, that's constructionleaderpodcast.com. Looking forward to hearing from you.